Welcome to the PG Daily. This season is dedicated to financially empowering the residents of Prince George's County. Join our host, Heath Carelock, as he sits down with several financial experts to discuss ways for you to find money, make money, and better understand money. Get ready to be empowered. Today's guests are Richard Baptiste and Dr. Mark Wooten. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode of the podcast, PG Daily, infused with the Financial Empowerment Center at Prince George's County. And we are lucky to have on hand Richard Batiste and Dr. Mark. Um, These two gentlemen are wonderful folks who have contributed to the center, either by just straight wisdom, participation, volunteering, And they're also reasoned experts in the field um, when it comes to financial behavior. And we're just grateful to have you on. So, Dr. Mark, you want to begin? Sure. Uh, Dr. Mark, I'm a uh, minister for my career. I've spent uh, about 20 years of pastoring and then the following 20 years working in the Bible colleges as a professor and administrator. Uh, But during that time, I uh, had the opportunity to serve on the board of our denominational credit union for eight years and mm-hmm. as a board member and then as a a uh, chairman of the board and even for a short period the interim president. Uh, okay. That's where my exposure to financial principles really began to take hold of my own life and make a difference. Favorite food do you invest? And Mr. Richard, what's your last criteria for what what do you want to get out of today's <laughs> session <laughs> good so favorite food and do you invest in today's session uh favorite food is probably steak i think good fl- filet mignon at a steakhouse what what level of cooking what degree of cooking uh medium well all right so all right. i heard well. from a chef recently that uh, that's the way to go that shows intelligence apparently oh and well done <laughs> shows idiocy it's okay. like some spectrum of how it's cooked yeah, so All right. do you invest? I am investing. So both in I've invested in real estate and stocks and mutual funds. Uh, those are the main areas. Okay. And then what would you like to get out of today's show? <laughs> just uh, hear Richard talk more. I'm just oh. so impressed with uh, his insight and the width of, width of his uh, wisdom. So that's what All I'm right. looking forward to. Oh, no. To. <laughs> well, Mr. Richard Batiste, you have the floor, sir. Um, well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Richard Batiste, and I am the co-founder and board chair of a nonprofit organization in Prince George's County, Maryland, called Alliance for Innovation and Education. And uh, we are a education-based nonprofit that focuses on youth ages 12 through 25 in five pillar areas. Uh, and those areas are academic performance, uh, financial literacy, health, wellness, and movement, job training and readiness, and entrepreneurship. So we are seven years old, and we've been doing a series of uh, financial and technology and uh, health wellness uh, related workshops throughout our tenure to date. And, uh, and it's just been a lot of fun to see the light bulbs go off in young people's mind and uh, them start to take further shape in uh, their, their direction in life. Favorite food? Uh, I'm originally from uh, Trinidad, from the Caribbean, and uh, my favorite food is stew oxtail with a dish called callaloo. And if you're not familiar with callaloo, callaloo is a combination of spinach and okra. 
uh, boiled together, um, and it is uh, excellent served on the side of rice. So stew oxtail with Callaloo is my favorite. Do you invest? Uh, I do. Uh, I uh, invest in the stock market. Um, I have uh, some mutual funds. Um, I have some gold. Um, and I uh, manage the family trust uh, for, you know, my family. So I've got a couple of things in a couple of different directions. And the softball question. What do you plan to get out of today's session? <laughs> uh, um, you know, I love to talk about uh, financial uh, literacy and financial engagement. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of we should not be afraid to talk about uh, financial stuff. So um, I just like to engage in the conversation of uh, financial matters, and I learn every time I, I meet and engage with um, you know everyone about that particular subject. So it's it's about learning. We have an awesome platform today, and in general, obviously with church, with nonprofits, with college, and learning, learning, learning is all around. Um, why do you even care that people reap the benefits of knowledge and the money, financial, and and that they're successful with uh, personal outcomes with regards to the personal finance? Why even well, care? Well, the immediate is just for the the current needs right now that the families are struggling so much with financial matters, and there's nothing. It's uh, much heavier of a burden than being in debt and stress and phone calls and collection agencies. So just to get those issues under control is a part of it. But I think financial stewardship is a launching pad for stewardship in all kinds of other areas, of other resources, of uh, items that are of greater value. And people who can get their finances managed well seem to do a little better with their time management, a little better with their uh, family management priorities. So it's to me, it's a training ground. It's training wheels that if we can handle that, then uh, we get trusted with bigger and better things. Yeah, Dr. Mark, I'll add to that. I agree with that 100%. And, and my comments that I would add to that is financial literacy is not a secret. I mean, a lot of times folks just don't talk about financial information because they're scared. And, and they're scared to be exposed that they don't know. And so financial literacy should not be a secret. A financial discussion should not be intimidating. And, you know, one of my passions around it is to just have an open discussion and, and break down, you know, various financial topics and what's currently going on in the marketplace and just the foundations. Once folks understand the foundations and they realize this is not really complicated, it just puts them at ease to start paying attention to their financial life a lot more seriously. So at the center, <clears throat> part of the mandate that I get is, hey, we're here to improve credit increase savings, reduce debt, increase the use of financial products that put folks and the community members on a path to wealth building and financial stability. And when I look out over all the people we've served in the last three fiscal years, I've been a part of this machine. I think about how to get people from paycheck to paycheck and budgeting to assets and investment and net worth, which 
a concentration on net worth and, and valuing that. So, Dr. Mark, can you tell us the three biggest uh, realms of, of kicking net, three biggest net worth builders that could really kick folks's uh, sort of learning on money and earnings on money in the high gear? Well, the one that uh, we don't see very often or recognize is that home ownership. If you are a homeowner, you're able to do that. All you see yourself doing is every month making a house payment. But as you're doing that, the principle that, that you own of that house, your mortgage is going down and the part that you own is going up. In addition, the house is hopefully appreciating as well. And very few people have mechanisms in place to track that. So uh, they're surprised 20 years later when they go to sell their house how much their equity has built up in that. The second one is a retirement plan. Uh, the government knows that Social Security is not enough for us to make it a retirement, so they put these incentives for us to save for our own retirement. And whether it's a 401K at work or whether it's a uh, an IRA, uh, starting that as early as you can allows you to capture this phenomenon called count compound interest and that over time whether it's as you know as, as they're advertised on commercials now if it's quarter every purchase or if it's ten dollar twenty five dollars fifty dollars a month just getting that started will seem like such a small thing right now but again over 10 years and 20 years and 30 years uh, when I actually started paying attention about 11 years ago to to my net worth, those were the two items where I actually had some net worth and I didn't realize it. So when I looked at the net worth of the retirement account, net worth of equity in my home, I was I was pleasantly surprised because everything else was negative. The cars were negative. You know, if I sold them, I'd still have to add money to it to pay off the the note on the car. So upside down and everything else, student loans upside down. So the uh, those two were the main ones. And then the second one, as you kind of alluded to, is the intentional savings, that you've got to start getting fed up with giving everybody else all your money. You know, And when you say living paycheck to paycheck, most people are earning a paycheck and then spending 110% of it. They spend it all and then put some more on the credit card at the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And you've got to get from that 110% spending habit down to less than 100 and start putting something, keeping it. You know, that's, uh, there just has to be that moment where you say, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done giving everybody else my money. I, I'm the one that worked 40 hours a week for this. I'm the one that's got to save for my retirement. And so once you just begin to say, this goes, this is a priority, this is a priority, but then I get to keep this much for myself. This much begins to build my net worth. So that ability to get to where you're living on less than you earn and then starting to put that in savings, that becomes your kitty to do the investing down the road. And that becomes the power of compound interest where it, you know, if you do 10% in 10 weeks, you got an extra paycheck sitting in your bank account. Well, you do that for 10 years, and you got a year's worth of salary sitting in your bank account. So, uh, however you start with 5%, 3%, 10%, 10% uh, was my goal, and I just wanted to get there and every week say, sorry, <laughs> everybody else can have the 90%, you know, 
you get this, you get this, Kroger's can have that, the, the, the mortgage company can have that, but this part is mine and nobody gets to touch it. You didn't work for it, I did, so I get claims on this right here. And once you can kind of get that in your spirit, uh, that becomes the third net worth builder is that intentional, regular savings program. Awesome. Mr. Richard, what would you add to net worth builders? Um, you know, just listening to the points that um, Dr. Mark was making, I would add, um, as he was talking about making sure that you're starting to do savings at whatever percent you have deemed uh, appropriate for your financial situation, the piece that I would add to that is pay yourself first and be disciplined about paying yourself first. You know, a lot of times, you know, we we think about saving as the last thing. You know, we should really reverse that and think about saving um, as the first thing. You know, you get your paycheck, you know, here's how much that I'm putting in my savings kitty, to use Dr. Mark's term there. I like that. Um, here's how much I'm putting into my savings bucket and then, you know, I'm paying, you know, the bills. And once you have established that discipline and that structure to do that over a long period of time, it becomes second nature. No longer are you thinking, oh, well, I don't have the money to to save, to invest. Now you've created the structure and you've created a a pile of of money that you then have in fact saved and you can go off and invest or do other things that you've wanted to do. So um so what I would add is definitely the mindset of paying yourself first and and being diligent about that and not not allowing life's situations to deviate you from that discipline. Paul Ebish wrote a book called The Net Worth Principle and I'm really interested in knowing the ways people can get tripped up as it relates to their net worth. These like, uh, as he, as he connotes it, these 11 bombs to net worth. Uh, can you delineate a few of them, if not all 11? Uh, one of the major ones is, as we've been talking about, you get this savings and you get it up to a point where you say, oh, wow, that's enough to buy a big screen TV. And then you go buy it. <laughs> okay, so uh, there goes your savings. You set yourself back now three months on your pro program. Or, or even worse, you go out and you borrow, on, or put it on a credit card or a, uh, a you know, 24 months, zero interest type of thing where they'll offer it at the furniture store. And invariably, that doesn't get paid. And all the fine print usually says that the interest we didn't charge you, we've been keeping track of. And if you don't pay it as you agreed by the end of the 12 months or 24 months, it does get added back on. So mm -hmm. what you've been thinking was no expense, no interest. All of a sudden, you find out they have been keeping track of it. So uh, whenever you buy something that is depreciating, uh, you want to pay cash for that as, as often as you can. If it's appreciating, then you consider can consider borrowing against it. But don't don't buy things that depreciate on credit. Uh, as as rarely as you possibly can. And don't get that savings built up to a certain level and then be impressed by it and think what you can go buy with it. The goal is that that savings is there as your investment for the rest of your life. The goal is that that savings account earns more than you're making at your job 
and that's your retirement day. That's the day you get to say, now I can do what I want because my money is working harder than I am, so I'm, I'm taking off, all right? Not that you have to, but that's the freedom day is when that money. So it's like, well, what if I, what if I get that much and I get to retire and then I die and I don't spend it? Well, hopefully in your will, you've put places to spend that that are going to be a, a great blessing and it'll be a, um, a great way to have uh, some impact even after you're gone. So that's if you spend that kitty, spend that savings account, that really will set you back. If you buy depreciating stuff with high interest credit, that's going to be a big bomb too. That's really important because we don't want to lose traction nor lose altitude with what we've worked so hard to gain. Um, so, Mr. Richard, one of the areas I wanted to mention to you was another book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. How old were you when you first read that? And who were you in the story? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um, um, Robert okay. <laughs> so, so, yes, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by author Robert Kiyosaki. Um, fabulous author, businessman, um, self-help uh, investor, um, and on and on and on. Uh, let me think here, Heath. Uh, how old was I when I first read that book? Um, I was, <clears throat> I was twenty three or twenty four when I first uh, uh, read that book, um, and and it, it changed my mindset, you know, um, tremendously about thinking about, you know, money, money management, uh, investing, assets, you know, liability, um, quite significantly. Um, because, uh, you know, I would say prior to that, I was probably poor dad, you know, in terms of my, my mindset and my methodologies on how I went about things. Um, I mean, I had started to do some investing, you know, early on after I graduated college and I started working um, because I had somebody pull me aside. I had a manager pull me aside and and talk to me about um, just investing, you know, and because I it was my first job that I was working after college, uh, they thought it was important that I at least knew about investing. Um but it's one thing to hear someone tell you about investing and money management. It's a whole nother thing to actually embrace it and and do it and and make it your own. Um, so, but but back to your question, Heath. Um, so so I was twenty three, twenty four when I first read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Definitely, I was poor dad um, when I first started out. And I think uh, after reading the book in and and I read. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I also read Cashflow Quadrant in Close Proximity, you know, his second book in the series. And then, um, you know, as I continued to work, my mindset started to change and I started to evolve into uh, the, the, rich, the rich dad uh, philosophies. Um, and it is it is a wonderful uh, mindset change um, in terms of how to think about money and money management and assets, um, and and I think the key as well is once you're working and your your you have income coming in and you have expenses and you you have decisions to make. This is where the power of the rich dad, poor dad 
um, lessons really come into play because if you're not working, while you can learn uh, and understand the concepts, if you don't have any income coming in and opportunities to um, obtain assets and and deal with liabilities, you may read it, but you may not necessarily understand it. So once you start to put the principles in practice with your own money and you start to build assets and you start to uh, try and reduce your liabilities and you try and get out of the the infamous rat race, uh, as uh, Mr. Kiyosaki puts it, you really, really start to understand um, how assets work for you and liabilities work against you. This podcast was recorded at Prince George's Community Radio located on the campus of Prince George's Community College. The music for the podcast has been provided by David Smalls, and the PG Daily is executively produced by David Smalls. Join us next time for more financial empowerment.